Rick Morley is right. He says that we hear the words of Jesus against the backdrop of a lifetime of priests saying to us, take, eat, this is my body, take, drink, this is my blood. And we have been completely desensitized to them. For us, he says, they have lost their offensiveness. Don't get me wrong. People get offended at church all the time. It's just not for the right things. You know, um, so-and-so didn't speak to me today. Well, the nerve, I don't what were they thinking, you know? Or, or did you see that the priest had the, had the font up front? We're not even having a baptism? What, are we Lutherans now? I mean, what, you know. Or, or I, I can't believe Margaret sat in my seat. She knows I sit in that pew every week. And there she is, sitting in my seat. We get offended. It's just not about the right things. Someone changes our plans or comes up with an idea or does something that's unconventional. You know, we get all in a wad. You know what I mean, right? I mean, not you. People at other churches, you know what I'm talking about, right? At other places. But the children get it. They hear these words of Jesus and they shudder. They recoil when they hear these words. Eat my flesh, drink. I remember one of my sons said to me, Hey, Dad, you know that prayer of humble abscess? I'm like, you mean the prayer of humble access? Yeah, yeah, that's the one, yeah. Um, you know where it says about eating Jesus' flesh? And I don't like that, you know? That's really sick, you know? I don't, I don't think we should say that anymore. And then, you know, like the good parents we are, and like the good parents I'm sure you are, we, we swoop in and we, we completely desensitize them. Stop thinking and just say what you're supposed to say. You know, he says something like that. Stop thinking. You shouldn't think here. It's just church after all. Um, and I thought that was funny. Uh, and, and then, uh, and they do, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't hear it. They, they just say what they're supposed to say. We, we turn them off to the offensiveness of the gospel. Um, I assure you that the people in Jesus' day heard his words the same way a six-year-old hears them. You know, that's gross. Eat your flesh, drink your blood. That's really, that, that's really repulsive. Why would we do that? Who does this guy think he is? You know, I'm sure they said. Um, you can tell that Jesus' words are very controversial. If you read the whole chapter, chapter 6 of, of John's Gospel, the part that I read just a moment ago, if you read the whole chapter, you could see how controversial it became because in the first part of the chapter, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. Everybody was pretty amazed. I mean, they were stoked. Do you see what this guy did? He just fed a crowd of people with just like this small little basket of food. He fed 5,000 men with just five loaves and two fish. John says in chapter 6, verse 15, they were about to come and take Jesus by force and make him their king. I mean, they are excited. They want him to be King Jesus, not President Jesus, not Senator Jesus. They want him to be King Jesus, right? They're really excited about this. Miracle equals instant popularity, instant fame. But Jesus slips away. He doesn't want to be the king the way they want him to be king. He wants to be king on his terms, not on theirs. And so he slips away, doesn't allow him to do it. Shows up the next day. John says no one left. The whole crowd stayed around. They, they stayed overnight. I mean, I'm thinking they're, they're probably imagining, you know, 
If he did that for supper, imagine what breakfast is going to be like, you know, right? That's what I'd be thinking anyway. Pancakes, you know, what are we getting here? You know, it, what's on the menu this morning? But when Jesus shows up, he starts talking about God and about faith and about, about uh, bread from heaven and about manna in the wilderness. And, and I think people were saying to themselves, no, 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 no. We don't want to do theology, you know. This isn't Bible study time. This is breakfast time, you know. Where's the breakfast? Where's the food? You know, remember what you did yesterday? And notice, listen to this. Chapter 6, verse 15, they were about to make him king by force. Chapter 6, verse 41, do the math. This is a few verses down. I can't do it that fast. The crowd began to complain about him. The crowd began to complain. The word that John uses means to, to grumble, to utter, to whisper. This is, this is what people do in the parking lot. You know, can you believe what's going on? You know, I can't. You know, it, this is what happens. You know, had a guest come in. Did you see her? You know, and, and, and they not, again, not here, but at other places, that's what happens. They, they begin to whisper and complain. Chapter 6, verse 15. Let's make him king. Chapter 6, verse 41. Who is this guy? What does he think he's saying? Slide down just ten more verses. Verse 51, Jesus says, I'm the living bread that's come down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. And the crowd began to dispute among themselves. Maximai in Greek. They began to argue among themselves. Now, this word maximai originally meant hand-to-hand combat. It, it meant to fight, it metaphorically, in sport, you know, boxing. These people began to box with one another. Now, probably not literally, but imagine the difference between, let's make him our king. Who does he think he is? This guy's insane, you know? Who, what are we doing here? Why are we listening to this stuff? This is nonsense. And, and, and they begin to become very aggressive angry, moving from whispering, complaining, to fighting. Little children think that Jesus says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and they think that's really gross. Ancient Jews heard these words, and they wanted to fight over them. And jump forward 20 centuries later, we just yawn. It's not really even that interesting. We're used to it. So what is he saying? Why, why was it so offensive? Why, why is it so offensive to others and just not to us? Why don't we hear this? Should we hear it the same way? Well, the first thing first. What did he say? Let's, let's kind of look at what he actually said. Jesus said, chapter 6, verse 53, Very truly, amen, amen. Truly, truly, verily, verily, in the, in the old King James, I say to you, and this is a kind of like a, pay attention, this is really serious stuff right here. Very truly I tell you, unless, unless, except, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. It's right there. You just heard me say it again. You heard me read it. It's in the, it's in the bulletin. You can look down and see it. Jesus' words are right there. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Jesus said this. Jesus, a real historical person, in a real time-space reality, said this to real people just like you and me. 
He said it to people who heard it, just like we do. And since no one ran up and took a bite out of Jesus' arm, pretending that it'd be like a zombie movie, we can assume that they didn't really understand what was going on here. You know, what is he saying? Well, maybe there's a metaphoric sense in which he means this. Figuratively, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Perhaps it means sort of embracing the life of Jesus. That we are so consumed, so so overwhelmed by His life, that we think about it all the time. We think about what would Jesus do in this circumstance or in this circumstance, and we actually try to model that in our own lives. It was the collect for the day. Did you hear it? Almighty God, You have given Your only Son to be a sacrifice for our sin and also an example of godly life. Give us the grace to thankfully receive the fruits of His redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of His most holy life. Consuming Jesus means to to be overwhelmed with Him, to be so passionate about following Him that we imitate Him in our very lives. You've perhaps heard of it, of a a young girl who's, who's, who's passionate about dance. That girl eats, lives, drinks, sleeps, dance. I mean, dance is all... A young boy who, who's really into football. Oh, goodness. That boy eats, lives, drinks football. He's just all about... What if... Stay with me for just a minute. What if we were so passionate about our pursuit of imitating the life of Christ that people would say, you know, I don't know what's going on over there at Holy Trinity Church... But here's what I know. All the people that I meet over there remind me of what Jesus must have been like. I think one of the greatest criticisms of the world is that Christians often look nothing at all like Jesus. If we ought to look like anything, it ought to be that we ought to mimic the life of Jesus. And how do we do that? You're way ahead of me. I know you are. We actually read His words, don't we? We actually, you know... It's not just like a decoration at home, but this Bible, we like take it out and read it. It's amazing. It, it's really good stuff. And we meditate on it. And we think about what it must be like to live this out. Remember those bracelets that people used to have, the, the WWJD bracelets? What if that was like our whole ethos of life? It was our habit. Oh, but Father Joe, you say, come on, come on, back off. Slow down here, buddy. That's stuff just for the saints, right? I mean, I'm just kind of like a normal, kind of ordinary person. That's, that's for your Mother Teresa's. I mean, that's what she did. You know what Mother Teresa said? Here's what she said. Holiness is not a luxury of the few. It is a duty of us all. Holiness is not the luxury of a few. It is the duty of us all. I think what Jesus is saying, at least in part, is this. If I'm not changing the way that you think, if I'm not changing the way that you behave, if your following me doesn't change your life at all, you have no life in you. If imitating me means that you you aren't radicalized, the very core of your being, then you're not really following me. This means it takes action on our part, doesn't it? I mean, we actually have to do something to be these kind of people. We actually have to follow His words. We have to meditate. We have to read those words. And I guess they they don't come through the plain dealer. (laughs) I mean, they might, but they don't usually. You don't find them on the New York Times bestseller list. And you might. 
Not usually. And I know, perish the thought, Hudson. They don't come to the Wall Street Journal. They might, but not usually. They come through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You find the words of God in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the prophets. This is where we find the Word of God. This is where we find the the model for how to live. If we're going to mimic the life of Christ, we have to go to the same school. And for heaven's sake, we have to read the same textbook, don't we? At least we'd get a nod, maybe. Uh, But there's more. There's more here. Maybe it's not just metaphoric, but also literal. Maybe there is a sense in which Jesus is being quite literal here, because there's no way that we could read this, no way that we could hear this, and not at least hear an echo of the words that are said around the, the altar. I mean, how could we hear these words, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and not hear an echo of the Eucharist? John wrote this to people who certainly were celebrating the Eucharist. They would have heard it in that terms. Eating the flesh of Jesus, drinking his blood, is certainly sacramental. Here's the thing. You can, you, we can want, I can get that out, we can want all we want to change the way we live. We can try to model and through our own effort and through our own volitional power work as hard as we can to be good. But you, just like I, know that we do not have the power within ourselves to be the people that we want to be. Wanting to do good and being good are two different things, aren't they? You can just try all you want. You know, reach down and kind of, mm, I'm going to do this. And then fail. And then try again. And then fail. We need God to do something in us. To make us to be the kind of people that we want to be. How do we do that? What is the means to the power by which we can live good and righteous lives? We come to the table. We consume in our mouths not just something that reminds us of Jesus, but His very flesh and blood. Jesus did not say, take, eat, this is my body, it should remember, it should remind you of me. He did not say, this is like my body. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. When we come to this table, we do not come to jog our memories. We hope it does jog our memories. We come to be transformed, to receive His actual body and blood. How? How's it work? I don't know. It's a mystery. But I believe it. So should you. We've just come through this time of the Olympics. Um, I know everybody probably watched at least some of it. Uh, I unfortunately went on vacation and stayed in a place where they didn't have any TV. So um, I missed the whole second week of, of the Olympics. But I would get online and try to catch all... And, and we've all we've all heard the stories that how they train, how these these athletes they work so hard and they train. You know the one thing that's common, not just the exercise, the diet. Every one of these athletes, I mean, they're so scrupulous about every bit of food that goes into their mouths. They, I mean, they know all you know every sort of. Yesterday, I was I was working on finishing up this sermon, and, and I'm I'm sitting at the counter in my house, and I'm I'm, I'm doing a little typing. And, and, and one of my boys, squirrely little fellows that they are, left this whole package of Oreos sitting like on the counter right over by me. And do you know that Oreos can speak? I mean, because they were saying, Joe, come here. Come. It's really good. You know, this, this stuff is amazing. You've got to try this. 
Oh, the chocolate and the cream. They're double stuffs even, you know. I could hear them. Stop, I would shout. And somebody would look around the corner like, who are you talking to? Nobody. Those Oreos over there. You know the difference between um, those athletes and me is they didn't eat many Oreos, you know. And you know how I know? Because I look at their bodies and they're not all lumpy like I am, you know. They don't look like me at all. Um, And I'm thinking not too many Oreos go in, you know, because they get out of their bodies exactly what they put in and they know that. If you're going to be an athlete, you better know your sport. You better dedicate yourself to exercise. You better eat your Wheaties. If you're going to be a saint, you better study your Bible. You better give yourself to practicing virtue. And you better come to the table. Because it's the only way this is going to happen. There's a a story about an FBI um, that was investigating this uh, San Diego psychiatric hospital. They they were investigating for insurance fraud. And and so, like the FBI likes to do, they uh, they raid the place late one evening, you know, kind of after supper time. And and they come in and and they seized all their medical records. And they're there for hours, you know, sort of sifting through all this this, uh, medical uh, insurance information. And and so they got kind of hungry, as they would like to do after a few hours. And so the head agent calls up this local pizza parlor and he says... um, he says, uh, yeah, hello, I'm Agent so-and-so, and I'd like to order, you know, 16 uh, pepperoni pizzas and, and, uh, and six, um, you know, sausage and mushroom pizzas and a few cheese pizzas. And, and, oh, yeah, bring me about 70 or 80 cans of Coke and some Diet Coke. And, all right, yeah, the, the guy says, um, and so where should I deliver this to? Um, yeah, we're at the psychiatric hospital down the road. <laughs> You're at the psychiatric hospital? Yeah, yeah, I'm with the FBI. <laughs> You're with the FBI, are you? Yes, I'm with the FBI. We're at the psychiatric hospital. We're, we're starving. We've been here all day. Anything to eat. Um, but when you come, make sure you deliver it back around the back to the service entrance because we have the front doors locked. Oh, so you're with the FBI, are you? Yeah, I'm with the FBI. I mean, come on. How's, how hard is that to understand? Yeah, bring it to the back. How long is it going to take? How are you going to pay for this? I'm going to write you a check for heaven's sake. So can you just bring the pizzas? You know, we're hungry already. And you're with the FBI. Yes, I'm with the FBI. Everyone here is with the FBI. <laughs> Everyone at the psychiatric hospital is with the FBI. You really think this meal is going to change you? You really think it's going to make you a qualitatively different kind of person? Doesn't that sound a little crazy? Yes, it does. But it doesn't make it any less true. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.